We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Goodman in the house. I'm Megan McEwen. Gentlemen, welcome on into a freaking wild night of college hoops, to say the least. Um, Iowa goes down to Eastern Illinois. We're going we're gonna to hit on it all. Um, UNC takes care of business against Michigan and what was practically a home game. And Jeff Goodman, who said Iowa was going to win the big 10 is still mm. holding strong with Herky Hawkeye. Right. I'm, I'm still believing in the fighting McCaffrey's right now. Eastern they were down in McCaffrey tonight though. They're, they're not part of the big 10. So I think you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. And we, yeah, we found a, yeah. A loop in the argument. Uh, gentlemen, let's start out. We got a lot to get to with our toast of the night where we go around before every show and just give a little shout out to whoever we deem shout outable. Um, I'm going to start and I'm going to give it up for Eastern Illinois head coach Marty Simmons halftime speech in the biggest upset of the modern era. I want to know what the hell he said because Eastern Illinois shot 72% from the field in the second I mean, half. I mean, you can't script this stuff. Cheers, Coach Simmons. And, and there's a there's a um, Chris Mack Marty Simmons connection, by the yeah. way. Yeah, Did you know us. that? Mar- Marty Simmons was a senior at Evansville, um, transfer from IU. I don't know if you knew that. I did and not. I was a senior in high school when Marty was a senior in college. He was one of the leading scorers in the in the country. I don't know if people realize that he had about twenty five a game. And wow. so, you know, when you go through your recruitment, you go on your official visit. Had the opportunity to sort of get to know him, even though I never played with Marty. So. Big win over the Hawkeyes for Coach Simmons tonight. What was your – did he host you on your visit? He, he did not host me. Um, um, I was going to ask you if Marty should, he showed you a good time. Gone. So, he was going to be gone, so he's not going to host a guy that's not going to be there. Scott uh, Hafner, uh, Evansville legend, had 65 yeah. points in the game. Uh, Scott was my host, yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah, take me back. Love All right, you want to go next, Mac? Yeah. What's your well, toast? Since Megan stole uh, my Marty Simmons, I'm going to have to think here on the fly. So go ahead, Goodman. I got I'll one buy you. Yeah, I'll board. buy you a minute here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Earl the Pearl Grant. Uh, I was at Boston College tonight. They beat a ranked Virginia Tech team. And, you know, my toast for Earl is he's been without three starters for most of the year. You know, year two at BC. Um Great, great dude coming from obviously the South from Charleston. And uh, he's got two of his starters back now. The one who, who's still not back is Quentin Post. He's hoping to have him back next week after the break against Syracuse. But that's a hell of a win. And just one that honestly, I think you need like going into Christmas. You could just tell Micaiah Ashton Langford, he had a great game tonight. He was so happy. I mean, they lost to Maine in New Hampshire and Tarleton State already. So I, I just felt good for Earl Grant and Mackay and some of those other guys who have, uh, you know, honestly struggled a lot early. Yeah, I got some good guys coming back, too. Post is a good player. Uh, really that good. Really, that really helped him. Yes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and toast Hubert Davis. I think you guys were roasting him the last time I was on here, saying that Carolina didn't look like a tournament team. In the meantime, what, they've won four in a row. Um you know, I think roast uh, to toast. I like it. Exactly. From roast all the way to toast. Hubert Davis did a great job. Uh, big time win against uh, the uh, Michigan Wolverines tonight. And I thought Armando Baycott was terrific. And uh, man, he's good. That's who I'm yeah. going with. And I'm, I'm laying off the Miller lights. I'm going regular Coke oh. tonight. Why are you gaining some weight? 
Uh, no, I had a little guy's trip over the weekend in Tampa to go watch the Bengals Buccaneers. Uh -huh. Probably drank more Miller Lite than you're allowed to in the state of Florida. So Were you double-fisted the whole time again? At least, yeah. Oh, more, more than double. <laughs> it was. How was the game? Well, I mean, if you were a Buccaneers fan, it was a great first half, terrible second half. Fortunately, I was a Bengals fan. It was a terrible first half. I mean, literally two complete opposite halves. I don't know if you saw yeah. it. Down 17 to three and then up. So. Yeah. At least you anyway, saw the goat. And, and Miller Lite makes any game better. I saw the goat and I also saw Tom Brady. You know what I mean? <laughs> Joe Burrow I knew that was there. coming. He really thinks yeah. Joe, Burry's, Joe, Joe Burrow is going to be the goat. You're out of your mind. <laughs> He's got a long way to prove that, but I'm going to tell long you, he's pretty good. He's, he's pretty fun, good. though. He's fun to watch. Uh, Goodman, are you drinking a milkshake? What you got there? Uh, yes, it's a vanilla milkshake. I threw a little alcohol in it, uh, so it does qualify. <laughs> got McDonald's eggnog. McDonald's vanilla milkshake on the way home. Uh, Talia wanted to split one. She did not get the alcohol in her half of the milkshake. Wow. Responsible parenting right there. That's Jeff right. Goodman. That's right. Uh, hey, Coach, you started it out with UNC. Let's go there first. Uh, yep. UNC takes care of business against Michigan. Armando Baycott, you mentioned, had a great game. 26 points, 11 for 15. It seems like UNC has finally figured out that when Baycott gets touches, good things happen because they really weren't getting the ball that much earlier in the year. Coach, what did you see in this? A, a little bit more than they normally have been giving him the ball, Megan. I, I, I tell you, I, I hate you know, being critical of, of other coaches and, you know, it's not always the coaches, but uh, I think they have to give him the ball more. You know, I, I think he's way more than just a um, set of screen and roll to the rim and, and you know, get stuff around the rim uh, through either you know, garbage offensive rebound points uh, or rolling to the rim. I think he's a terrific passer. Uh, I know obviously he's going up against Hunter Dickinson, who's, you know, really, really mammoth in there, but I think he can draw fouls. I think he can score on anybody in the country. And when those guys are playing off closeouts, particularly R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, I, I think they're way more difficult to guard than when they're just pounding the ball up top. Um, Armando Baycott needs the ball even more, I think. I'm with you 100% on that yeah. one, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt. To me, with that team, it hasn't worked going the other way, right? Like – where the guards dominate the ball. And I know part of it was Baycott's fault earlier this season. When I was watching him in Portland, he wasn't getting deep post position. So I think it was a combination. But but if he does what he needs to do, there's very few players that can stop him. Yeah. And again, he and Hunter is a great matchup. Those dudes played AAU ball together. Yep. Yeah, I remember seeing him a few years ago, and they were terrific together. Um, so I was really looking forward to this matchup, and, and I knew Baycott would be ready. I, this was perfect. The timing for all this was ideal for Carolina because they get that big win against Ohio State, and it was one of those that, that I think brought some emotion to them, right? Pete Nance hits that shot to force overtime. They win it. It's, it's an emotional kind of flip-the-switch type game a little bit. You start to feel good about yourself. And now you go in where Baycott is motivated. Mm -hmm. He's hungry to play against Hunter. And show not only is he, he one of the best big men in the country, but, yeah, this is the dude who, who I played with back in AAU ball. I'm going to show him. And, and I thought, again, they set the tone with Baycott, and the guards can kind of play off him. 100%. I mean, I, I just I have so much respect for how strong – and and how agile Baycott is. I mean, I just – I think he could do more. I think they could get him the ball. I don't want to say every time down the floor. And I hear what you're saying, that sometimes he doesn't battle and get deep post position. But, you know, he's pretty good in handoff situations. He's pretty good in the long post as well. Uh, you know, he's, he's – And he plays hard, Chris. Like, he – while we've criticized Carolina for the last two years, for, the, for parts of the last two years, for some of their guys not playing hard, Baycott usually brings it. I, I agree. You know, I think that I think Carolina, if they can fix this problem that I think they've had, whether they're winning or losing, is not to just play in spurts. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, again, that's the challenge for any coach is to try to keep your team consistent throughout the 40 minutes to try to keep them consistent throughout the season. But with Carolina, it's just so telling because they're so talented, in my opinion. They're not deep. Right. But when you have a guy like Leaky Black, who seems like he's been there for a long time, Shoot. the backcourt that we talked about, 
Uh, I know Nance is different than Manic, but he's a he's a good player. And I think Baycott's, you know, uh, up there as, as being a first team All American type guy. And Black's totally. the difference maker tonight defensively, especially. He really frustrated Hunter Dickinson. Look, Hunter was an effective. He was three for nine from the field. Uh in this game, what impressed me about UNC was in ball screen situations when Hunter Dickinson was guarding Pete Nance, they started drawing him away from the basket. And as a result, UNC was able to attack and they had a lot of open looks because Dickinson wasn't there to be a shot blocker. So to me, they're making better decisions and that chemistry is flowing more offensively. And coach, how much of that takes time and how much of it is like finally? Well, I think that when you go to the national championship game and you basically get bring everybody back, no disrespect to Manic. Um, you know, I, I think that there are so many expectations, but, you know, you, you still have to, to work that out in the preseason. You still have to have, uh, you know, game-like experiences and learn from them. I mean, you're not just going to start off with the NCAA tournament your first game. You know, you know, you have to build, you know, yourself throughout the season. But I think Carolina really exposed that with Michigan, in my opinion. You know, Hunter Dickinson kept getting stretched way out on the floor in ball screen situations. I think he did a terrific job hedging the ball screen, but it takes him a long time to then change directions and get back. And they got caught a couple times um, where they lazily switched. Uh, they tried to switch when the guy that he was guarding had the basketball. Uh, it, it just, I think it really hurt him. And I think Carolina just, you know, the last thing I'd add, I thought they almost started to shoot themselves in the foot when they started to double Dickinson. And I yeah. know he's a, a great player, but I, I think that that sort of, falls into what he does best and that's find the open man and it cut it to, yeah. to, to a three points when Joey Baker hit the three. And that was after um, Doug had missed the, the, the one earlier. So um, to me, Baycott could have handled him one-on-one. If they started to get hurt or he got in foul trouble, they could have gone to a double, but uh, and nevertheless, terrific victory for, for Carolina after uh, Goodman had him in the NIT two weeks ago. And now he's got him on the shelf behind him. I mean, from Listen, couple good wins. It, you know, it can change quickly. Um, you guys both know this uh, from coaching and, and playing. Everything can change really quick. You can go from completely off the grid and momentum is everything, right? And feeling good about yourself and playing together. It, it, it can change quick. Carolina saw that last year from March 5th on. And I think they, they're capable of flipping it. I just wanted to see them have that emotion and look like they were playing together. And I think, again, you might look at that play, that Pete Nance shot at, at you know, the end of the year. And if this team, I don't know, I don't know if they're going to do what they did again last year, but even if they can make a, a, a sweet 16 this year, you know, and, and fight for an ACC regular season title. That's a hell of a year in this day and age of college basketball where, and we're going to talk about this soon, you know, Virginia Tech losing to Boston College at Boston College, you know, Iowa losing um, tonight, setting, making history. Like kids these days, it is so much harder because of, to me, all of the things with social media, with NIL, with transferring, People coming at them, right? People, their guys telling them, are right, you not getting enough time? There's a kid who transferred out of Georgia tonight. And he's averaging 20 minutes a game as a freshman, six points a game. He was a top 100 recruit. They just came off their best win of the year. They beat Notre Dame. And he decided to transfer. And it's like, dude, like stick it out. I mean, unless something happened that I don't know about, which maybe it did, you know, maybe, maybe again, you know, his girlfriend's back home. He wants whatever, but ultimately, like, like there's just so much that that can be distracting now that it makes it harder for a team like Carolina to to from start to finish be dominant. There, there certainly are way more distractions, and I, I think in Carolina's case, you 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 add the distractions on top of the expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know no one wants to hear it, but those guys are 18 to 22 years old. And, uh, you know, they heard how good they were over the summer. All and, summer. You know, everybody, all summer. And everybody's going to, you know, want a little bit different role. Not saying guys are selfish, but, like, it's only natural you're going to be a sophomore and going to your junior year. You, you know, you want to put a little yeah. bit more points on the board. You want to make a little bit more plays. Uh, so those things have to be uh, experienced and learned from. And, and I think Carolina, like you said, Jeff, 
really good week for those guys. And Carolina came into the season as the number one ranked team right. preseason wise. Then they drop out of the top 25 coach as a coach. Do you prefer to like not be ranked in this kind of situation, like for those expectations or does it even matter to you where well, you are? I mean, at? I think for your program in terms of recruiting, you know, you always want that recognition, Sure, you know? but it's, it's a, it's a two headed monster. You know, you also have your own team that that you're, preparing for and, and preparing with and, you know, making sure those guys are grounded. You know, I've never had a team that was number one in the country to start a season. You know, you haven't accomplished anything, you know, it's based on the season before and who you have coming back. Uh, so I'm sure those are expectations that are tough to manage for a coach, but it beats the alternative, Megan, not, not, not having your team in the rankings. I can tell you that. Uh, well, I'm sure a lot of things beat the alternative of what Fran McCaffrey has had to deal with tonight. Eastern Illinois takes on Iowa. This game went as expected in the first half. Then all of a sudden, Eastern Illinois comes out in the second half, shoots 72% from the field. I watched the second half of this game. It, it was as if they could not miss a shot. Guys, I, I mean, as Iowa, like, what do you do? What does this say? I know you got your Iowa hat on, Jeff. I'll let you start because you said Iowa could win the Big Ten. I'm still with you. This is kind of a fluky thing, but my goodness, what happened? Well, I mean, number one, they were without two key pieces, right? You're without Chris Murray, your most talented player, and, and your most talented scorer. And he's been out with plantar fasciitis for a while now, and they're hoping he'll be back soon. And you're without Connor McCaffrey, who doesn't put up huge numbers, but he's in his, like, seventh year, and he's he's a tough MFer. That's mm -hmm. what he brings to the table. Yeah. So I'm not making excuses. They should have beaten Eastern Illinois anyway. But you add to it, again, and I know people are going to get tired of me saying this, but I think Matt can back me up on this. The Christmas break coming around the corner. Kids aren't as focused. They want to get home. A lot of them want to get home and see their families. And, you know, they're tired of, of, of the grind so far. They're looking forward to seeing maybe their friends when they get back home. And then again, I don't know what the crowd was at Iowa tonight. I know what it was at Boston College. There was nobody there. So in a way, I've said this, and you played at BC, Chris. So there's home court advantages, which is like Louisville at the Yum Center when it's packed, Kentucky at Rupp and, you know, Duke and Kansas and those places. And then there's a home court advantage like Boston College tonight where there's nothing, there's no juice. So the visiting team comes in, whether it's Eastern Illinois or Virginia Tech, and they're just like, there's nothing there. There's nothing. You want that in a way. You want to play in on the road in front of a hostile crowd, in front of fans that get you juiced. And, and there was none of that probably in, in Iowa tonight. Well, if, if I could paint the picture, right? yeah. how many fans do you think Eastern Illinois plays in front of in their home games? Not many. Maybe 500, 1,000? Yeah. yeah. So they're used to it. Maybe a bigger arena but the same amount of people, you know, Iowa, I mean, they're used to playing Indiana. They're used to playing Michigan. They're used to playing in big time environment, big time games. And all their players have their bags packed in their dorm room or their apartment. Yeah, yeah. They probably have some good buddies from high school that they got tickets for that are going to, they're going to jump in their car. And they're right. going to head back to their hometown as soon as the game's over because they've got the three days at least, depending on Iowa's next game, whenever that is. Um, and it Christmas games are death. Death. There are no students. All mm -hmm. the students are gone. So the arena already lacks that buzz that you'd normally have. You know, no matter how many folks are coming in from out of town, you know, to, uh, to go to the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight, it, it's – Totally different environment. And then the players are looking across the half court pregame and saying, it's Eastern Illinois. They probably looked up their scores. This is going to be a blowout. Starts right. to be that way in the first half. And man, right. once that they thing take goes their foot south, off the pedal. They take their foot off the pedal too. Once that thing goes south and Eastern Illinois starts feeling himself. I mean, look, you can look at all the scores over the last two days. This is, this is the game before Christmas. You would much rather play a big-time Michigan-North Carolina game. Both teams go home for Christmas. Both teams, hey, we fought, played a really good team. 
it's a it's a tough situation. I've lost I lost one buy game, one guarantee game in my entire 13 years as a head coach. Really? That's it. That's impressive. Right before Christmas break. Was it Mike Young? Mike Young. Yeah. The absolute He outcoached you. He outcoached you. Hey, Mike's a hell. We're talking about the best X's and O guys in the country. There's one of them. Although we're going to talk about that later. That that's a little tease. Yeah. We are going to get Max top three X's and O's guys. I'll quit talking. I'm just going to say this. Christmas games. Man, they're tough. They're tough. Well, to that point, because back when I played, right, you get to campus August, September, and you're there from that time on because Thanksgiving, you normally at a tournament, whatever that might be. So you get three days of nothing to do in the season as a player. It is the best time of the year because you finally get to go home and see your family and you've been going at it for five months. So look, there's a reason why players are so excited to get home, as, as you know, coach and Jeff, as you know. But uh, it, it's hard when you have to focus on the task at hand before you go, because a win or a loss rather like this, if if Iowa kind of gets into a situation, the Big Ten, where it starts to be like yep. that, you got the NCAA tournament resume, they're going to wish like hell they had this one back. Yeah, this one's going to hurt. I mean, this one could hurt again, just because it leaves that sour taste like even tonight. And again, we'll get to this with Virginia Tech BC here in a minute, but Mike Young, I'm I'm walking to the bus with him, and you could tell it's like, man, now I got to think about this all Christmas break. Like yeah. it's just bugging you of like we should have won instead of enjoying it. And Mike, Mike's older, he'll be able to hopefully enjoy it. He'll have a few more, you know, Miller Lights or Bud Lights or whatever. I don't know what he drinks. I, I think it is Miller Light. Um, Good for him. Yeah, but 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 honestly, like. That's the tough part. If you're Iowa right now, and you've been up and down a little bit so far this year, I think if you if you get a healthy Chris Murray, and, and they're, again, I mean, what scares the shit out of me is they allowed 92 points yeah. today to Eastern Illinois. Well, it, not it, a good defense. Those guys have played more minutes. You know, they're always probably be in the locker room saying they should be playing more. Right. And sure. uh, the guys that took over for uh, Fran's kid and, and Murray, you know, now they'll sort of, go back to their respective roles and feel a little bit different. Maybe it's a good point. When you look at Michigan, you look at Iowa, we'll start with Michigan first, just cause we're talking big 10 here is Michigan an NCAA tournament team in your eyes. Boy, what do you think, Mac? I mean, I think so. You know, obviously they're going to have to fight their tails off in the big 10. Man, I, I, I love Jed Howard, man. He's, he, he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. And I think, you know, obviously Buffkin and, and Doug McDaniel, they're, they're young. You know, I think they'll only get better and better. And, you know, Hunter's capable on any given night of beating any team in the big 10, just all by himself with a game, like a 35, 15 rebound type performance, which I think he's more than capable of. So I do think they're an NCAA tournament team, obviously the injury to Llewellyn hurt them, yeah. but um, you know, Hey man, they gave Carolina everything they wanted and more. And so I, I I think for sure they're a tournament team. I they do. went down with the fight. I don't know about for sure, because now, again, you look at it. And well, I do. That's my opinion, Goodman. Their resume. <laughs> I, listen, I got you. Um, we'll put a hundred bucks on that one. They, they lose to Kentucky. They, they lose to Carolina. They just got some work to do in the Big Ten. I think – Again, the beauty of the Big Ten is you've got so many yeah, opportunities. opportunities. You know, th- those two games didn't shock me as much as the Arizona State game. I, yeah, I, that I, hurt. Especially uh, the margin. You know, that one really hurt. But I, sometimes games like that get your kids' attention. Um, and, and I like the way they played tonight. So, it'll be interesting. But to that point, those losses, they lose to UNC by four. They lose to Kentucky by four they lose to uva by two so it's not as if they're getting blown out by these teams they're right there until the end yeah just got to win a couple of them though gotta you know? get a couple of them <laughs> and, and I mean, they'll have like jeff play. said so many opportunities in but the, the problem the, their best win their best win to date guys is pittsburgh on a neutral floor i mean they got to do some stuff in in league play here now i know again there's a there's a bunch of teams right now that if, if the season ended today would actually get in the NCAA tournament without having like a big time resume win. Right. So they'll get them. They they just got to, you know, they got to knock off a few of these and they, they need better. I mean, to me, you're going to need more consistent. And I actually think Doug McDaniel's done a good job for the most part. 
so far. But Llewellyn getting hurt thrust him into a role that I'm not sure anybody saw him in this quickly, and he's got to mature fast. The one good thing for Michigan, by the way, when they get back from Christmas break, they've got Central Michigan at home, then their first two Big Ten games are also at home. So you got to love that as a coach. Uh, Hey, let's get into Boston College uh, and Virginia Tech. We had boots on the ground. Jeff Goodman was there in the flesh. What you got for us? Wow. I was shocked. I was shocked. I mean, I honestly, I thought um, this was going to be ugly. You know, again, BC without their big guy, Quentin Post. Mac knows uh, about him. He's the one guy that Boston College can kind of throw it into. And he's been out all year. Uh, uh, Jaden Zachary, their their, uh, talented guard, was coming off the bench. He wasn't healthy. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, you know, like we could probably leave at halftime of this one. And uh, and it was close. It was close. And I kept waiting for Virginia. They couldn't make shots early. Yeah. And that's kind of their thing. Like they got great shooters and they haven't shot it quite as well as I thought they would this year. Um, they had a chance to win it in regulation and, and Sean Padula missed the shot um, that looked like it was going to go in. Um the most entertaining thing was the drunk Boston College fan right next to us that I told Talia, you've got to get video of this dude. She missed the the really – I mean, he was drooling. He was that drunk. He would literally drool coming down. And he he, he went from giving, uh, giving some of these, these other fans the finger to hugging them within like, you know, Those half a second. Man. Yeah. I mean, he was getting after it tonight and like – I just didn't know BC fans still had an in them like that. Like they, you know, there were like 43 BC fans, hoop fans. And uh, he he might be the president of the Earl Grant fan club. He was into it. Incredible. He reminded me of a a young Chris Mack, actually, in a lot of ways. Death environment. Death environment. I mean, I feel sorry for Coach Grant. That's got to be one of the worst places to play right before Christmas tough tough and, um, and there that crowd wasn't I mean again I, I walked in with my daughter and she's I think she's been there maybe once or twice she didn't even remember ever going to county forum before it was years ago and uh and she was like dad like why isn't anybody here and I'm like it just kind of that way years ago it's a pro it's a pro sports town period and Miami's similar. I always compare Boston College and Miami, obviously, other than the weather. They're similar jobs, right? Like Miami, they're not coming unless you're winning at a high, high level. You know, LeBron came years ago. Remember when, like, LeBron and D-Wade came when they had it rolling down there? Same thing in Boston. Like, when BC had it rolling with Jared Dudley, you would you would get people – Doug Flutie would be there. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, agree but disagree in, uh, in, the, in the respect that – One's a lot easier to recruit to than the other because of the weather, hundred percent. Right, right, but only because of the weather is. I mean, that's, that's a big factor for some of those. And kids. Miami's I mean, a great party town. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say like Boston's not a great part party town. Come on, if you if you polled 100 high school all Americans, I think 100 out of 100 are going to Miami over BC. Well, Drake shoots music videos in Miami. What more of a sell do you want, Goodman? No, listen, I'm I'm, I'm with you. All I'm saying is like. Those two jobs are similar in that they are all about pro sports. Unless you win at a super high level, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. How's that? Is that easier? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. You know, Virginia Tech's used to playing uh, in, in great environments, and, and all of a sudden, you know, again, their kids are probably packed for Christmas. You know, right. Coach Young probably said, I mean, if you walked them out to the bus, I don't know if you, if you got to look if those kids were on the bus or if they were, you know, if they were allowed to fly from B.C. home. Um, you know, that I didn't see. Yeah. I mean, I saw some still hanging out with their families. They, I don't they get, know. They get that mandatory three days. So I bet those kids, you right. know, the ones oh, that yeah. are on the East coast, they did, they didn't go home. And you know, the one thing never played at Boston college until, you know, he got in the ACC at Louisville yeah. and my first year when NCAA tournament team, you know, we lose at Boston college, just the environment was pathetic. You know, the next year, Jordan Wara's, junior year we were going back so we sort of knew what to expect but man you walk into that shoot around 
And, you know, you're talking about six, seven hours before the game. It's usually mid-morning. Megan, you've been there in those type of shoot-arounds. And it's like 16 degrees in the gym. Oh, freezing. Uh, it, it's freezing. Get your sweatshirt right? on still. Yeah. Under Armour basketballs. I, I don't know if there's anything worse. We're the only sport that doesn't standardize the ball you use, you know? So yeah. Can we talk about that for, for a minute? I just want you to go on a little rant about that because I have my own rant, but mine doesn't matter. You're, you were a coach. Like, I don't understand how this isn't changed by now. What are we doing here? I, I have no idea. You know, Louisville obviously being Adidas school, I think Adidas makes a horrendous basketball. Mm -hmm. So my, my equipment manager, Matt Stebbins, who's, from New, New England guy, yeah, he notices that Kansas in their home games is playing with a Wilson ball. And I'm yeah. like, why the hell are we playing with Adidas? And so we called up our Adidas rep and he said he didn't care if we used it or not. And really? As long as he had in the team picture. So I put it right there and smiled with the thing. <laughs> but it's like, it's like shooting an egg. You know what I mean? It's like sort of rolls like this. Same thing with the Under Armour balls. I mean, you're, you're better off shooting a beach ball. So I was so nervous and petrified going back to bc the second year even though our guys knew what to expect and then war shoots about eight from ten from three and scores like 40 so i guess jordan didn't care about under armor basketballs They're it down. is a terrible ball i swear it's heavier too by the way it's, it, it, you're 100 right it's even people that know basketball that play basketball that shoot around you can tell the difference between basketballs and under armor balls are bottom of the barrel just give me the Wilson, get out of the way. Yep, there you go. And that's what they use in the tournament. And, you know, right. to Jeff's point, that, that's, what, that's what college basketball needs to do, standardize the ball. It, it's just like, honestly, it's, it should be one of the easiest things ever to do. It's like whoever is, is making this decision, I mean, it's probably Mark Emmert. And, and I'm kidding. Tongue in cheek, I'm saying it's probably Mark Emmert. I know it's not Mark Emmert. But it's dumb enough that it should have been Mark Emery and probably could have been. Well, in fairness to Mark, it's been like this well before he was the president. Yes. Good point. Good point. Was that similar to your rant, Goodman? Very similar. I knew. Listen, I knew Mac wouldn't screw that one up. There's a <laughs> lot of things he could screw up. I knew we'd be aligned on this and Dunkin' Donuts. And that's about it. I appreciate that. I love That's that. It's a big time win for Coach Grant, though. I don't want to take anything away. Right. Big time crush, win. Crush the atmosphere. I mean, yeah. like, his kids are playing in the same atmosphere. So, And he's trying, man. Like, Hell yeah. Again, BC, not an easy job. Um, Al Skinner had some success there, so everybody thinks that, well, everybody should be able to do what Al did. Well, Al, Al also had Ed Cooley and Billy Cohn. Yep. Guys hurt. Unbelievable. Like, maybe the best coaching staff, two assistants I've ever seen. And they got him great players. And Al was awesome at developing those players. Awesome. He did it his way. He wasn't the hardest working um, coach in the world, especially in the recruiting trail. But you know what? He won. Well, they tried with Steve Donahue. Ivy League players didn't get it done. Jim Christian, really good ball coach. Couldn't really get it done. And he had Jerome Robinson and, and, and uh, Kai Bowman, two really good guards. They couldn't get to the tournament. Now you got Earl Grant coming from down south, and it's going to be hard. It, it's it's a you know, that's a tough ass job to yep. get it done in Boston College. It's a heck of a way to start his ACC season, though, right there. Yeah, Virginia Tech's going to be one of the top five teams in the league. Yeah, and to that point, who is the best team in the ACC right now? Boy, I don't know. I'm not sure there is one. I, I think it's going to change. Well, I think Miami's showing you that, you know, that so they're far good. through, through yeah. the games that they're good. Um, Isaiah Wong, terrific. I, yeah. I still think Virginia is going to be standing at the end of the year. You know why? I, I agree with you. Just look at Tony Bennett's regular season record in ACC play of the last 10 years. It blows. I did it for like the seven years that that it was Roy K and and Tony Bennett up until the end of Roy's um, career, and like he blew, he was like fifteen games better than Roy, like ten games better than K, like twenty five games better than Bayheim. It was insane. So anytime you're going to give me the opportunity, I'm going to take Tony Bennett in Virginia. I, I just think that highly of him as a coach. I agree. And, you know, like the years that, that maybe haven't been Tony Bennett-like and there haven't been too many of them maybe a year ago, 
um, you know, they, they had real struggles in the preseason in the non-conference. Yeah. They're not, they're not having that. They, yeah. They've no. dropped one here and there. Right. They're not having those. I, I think when they, they dropped, dropped one against a, a really good Houston team, right. Really good. Right. In a game they were winning for a while. So right. I, I just think that like, you know, as the season progresses, I think his kids will continue to get it like they always have, you know, um, his, his teams have a history. What, what, Hey, what makes, again, you've coached against him and, and the pack line. What makes preparing and, and maybe not even preparing, but for your kids to be able to execute against Virginia is so difficult. Well, I, I think that no, number one, it, it becomes sort of a different rhythm game. It's their ball, your ball, yeah. their ball, your ball. And, and if you have as a player any issue or any, you know, hypersensitivity when you come to the bench in the second TV timeout that the score is seven to five and you haven't gotten a shot yet, yeah. if that bothers you, they've they've got you mentally. They've rattled. They've got you rattled. Yeah. Here's the thing. Your team takes a tough shot for whatever reason, end of shot clock, whatever the case is, they'll get a defensive rebound and literally have a four-on-two that any team in the country would take, and they're going to walk the ball up. It's just – they're just going to bleed you to death. Now, obviously, I'm maybe over-exaggerating a little. They'll, they'll take a break here or there. But for the most part, they're going to walk the thing up and just really play into that mind game of this is going to be our pace game. And, you know, they're so elite at guarding the ball and being big at the rim. It's just, it's just hard to get a good shot against them. When you look at championship teams, I mean, they defend well and they control pace. And those are two things that UVA has been able to make its identity since Tony Bennett has been there, which is so impressive to watch from afar. Yeah, he, he he's he's terrific. Uh, by the way, am I reading this score right? As is this right? San Francisco Arizona State score. They're down big right now. I don't know the latest update live on the air. I, I, I'm seeing right now, and again, I, I might want to refresh this, but seventy-two to thirty-one, San Francisco. Christmas seventy. I got seventy-two thirty-one as well. Christmas trap games. Oh my God, Bobby Hurley, Christmas. Uh, Dinner right now. His he wife, man. Played at San Fran. Yeah, I think it's at a neutral. War Memorial at the Sobrato Center. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three thousand. I think that's at San Fran. San Fran. Why would you play that game? Why would you play that game, Chris? I didn't. <laughs> I know you didn't. I, I know you didn't. Like, man, that's a that's I'll listen. That's a brutal game. I wouldn't going into Christmas. That that's a brutal game. Maybe he's got relatives in San Francisco, and they don't have to go back to uh, Tempe after the game. I don't know, man. That that this is a tough loss for. You know, Bobby you Hurley and, and you just State. sit on that loss for four days. You know, watching your kids open. And you're a Hurley. Wait, wait. You're a Hurley. So you're 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 beyond um, intense yeah. and out of your mind. And now, man, Times two. Wow. I, my guess is, if I'm uh, Bob Senior and his wife, I'm gonna go spend Christmas with Dan Hurley. 
Um, well, I have to wonder if that Christmas dinner would be anything like the Brad Underwood press conference that we saw for Illinois lately. And I know we have it on deck. Let's run it. See what happened. Completely unacceptable. The lack of leadership on this team is zero. It is none. Brady talked a lot about TJ's leadership since he's gotten here. <laughs> That's what I thought of that today. But I'm just telling you, our approach to this game right now is immature and it's 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 it lacks complete complete 100% le- lack of leadership. And if I got to go back to leading again, this team's in trouble. Somebody on this team's got to step up. I was not happy at all, like that we were down three to a team like that. <clears throat> it wasn't funny to me at all, and people were laughing, and uh, I just came in and I was pretty upset in the huddle, and I let everybody know. Matt, these are two games where I don't think you guys feel good about your effort. Is is this what's this time mean for this team? Like, what's this team at right now? I'm the wrong guy to ask about that because I really have my own opinions about this that I would not be that I would not be saying up here on this podium. Um, I think we got a lot to figure out internally uh, between the players and the coaches. Uh, you know, I, and I disagree with that. You know, he's every player. Um, you know, Matt's been in a system for four years, and and uh, not every player's like him. Well, for starters, the fart noise went viral on the internet. I feel like it's all I have seen for the last week. But secondly, you know, this is an Illinois team that is kind of new from the standpoint of it's added so many freshmen and transfers, and you're still in December, so it's still you're relatively trying to iron the kinks out. But coach. For this type of exchange to happen in the media, how, how do you feel about it from that vantage point? Well, I'm sure Brad um, probably, like most coaches do at the beginning of the year, talked about you know what happens uh, in-house, what happens on our practice court, uh, what happens in the locker room stays in our locker room. And um, you know, I'm sure after the game, he probably voiced his displeasure to the team and um, was transparent with that with the media. And it becomes a, a tough situation, you know. And so I don't envy Brad having to uh, but figure if, it but out. But, Chris, if you, if you would say that, right, that keep it in the locker room, but didn't he go against that in a way of then calling out his players publicly? But, again, he, he, he may reference that in the locker room, you know, like that he was going to, you know, talk in the press conference about the lack of leadership, you know, and maybe – Again, that's why I hate to speculate because all this stuff happens behind closed doors. Has this been an issue for the last two weeks? Has he been screaming at every practice that he doesn't have leadership that's stepping up to the plate? Uh, was that the straw that broke the camel's back? Uh, you know, again, maybe he didn't have that type of preseason meeting uh, where he didn't talk about what we talk about with the media. Uh, but it's a tough situation. You know, I'm sure it's going to have to have some type of you know, resolution between, you know, mayor and, and Brad, they're going to have to sit down and, uh, you know, again, I think that's what happens nowadays when the, uh, the game is so transient, kids are coming and going, mm-hmm. you know, you've got fifth years, you've got COVID juniors, you've got kids transferring to third schools. It's just uh, a little well, bit. He knew of- what he could get away with, with like Trent Frazier, who he coached with, for years, right? right? Kofi. Now, with Matthew Meyer, think about it. He goes from playing for Scott Drew to Brad Underwood. Those are two completely different personalities and coaching styles. Huh. Scott Scott Drew might be the most positive human being on the on the planet, literally on the planet. And Brad is old school comes from that Huggins tree, right? So, like, like I think Brad's probably trying to figure out what buttons to push to get as much as he can leadership-wise out of a kid that has not been a leader, Matthew Meyer. And the same thing with Terrence Shannon, to be honest. Terrence Shannon, think about it. Like, he's been kind of a, a piece. Well, now you're the dude. You're the – and I need you to be – not only the dude on the court, consistent player, but I need you to lead a bunch of young guys, right? Jaden Epps, Scott Clark, 
some of these other guys, even Coleman Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins has been there, but he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. So I think Brad's trying to figure out, right, like play psychiatrist with these kids. Yeah, a little bit. You know, and I think, um, you know, when you, when you talk about those kids transferring in, they, they transferred in for a different situation. They, they made the choice to play for Brad Underwood. You know, you, you would think that, you know, there'd be a little bit of, you know, resolution behind closed doors before it goes to the media, because now it's, you know, it's just going to be brought up. It's going to be an issue. It's going to be talked about. It's going to be uh, an uncomfortableness, you know, after, after certain games and interviews and whatnot, you know, is this behind you and every loss, everything's going to be magnified. And so uh, man, it's tough situation. That's what, that's why you always wanted to be able to resolve these things in house and and keep it within the family because everybody goes through these type of situations, but Mm -hmm. when they become public, because we want to know then we're going to ask those questions after right. every loss, right? Like Matt, we're going to run up to Matthew Meyer after every loss. Now, what do you think? What do you, you know, how's your relationship now with, with coach? What, what did coach say to you after the game? All that. hundred percent. I mean, I had some guys that I coached, you know, JP McCura, you know, if everything was an open book and, yeah. you know, we had to talk about and report to you guys, everything that happened in a practice or, right. you know, a competitive situation. I mean, you know, you'd be tap dancing in front of the media. And so, um, again, tough situation. I don't like when, you know, kids go behind the microphone. And that's why I tried to, you know, take the bullets when when a guy wasn't playing well or the leadership wasn't what you wanted. You know, just sort of try to deal with that behind closed doors and, um, you know, try to get your point across uh, one-on-one rather than, you know, through the media. Illinois plays Missouri tomorrow, last game before Christmas, those dang Christmas games. Uh, how important is it going to be for Matthew Meyer to come out and, and have a great game and to see kind of that storyline put it into it? Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily he has to have a great game. I think if you pull the, the, the quotes from Coach Underwood, I think he wants leadership. You know, I think he wants, you know, to see a, a guy that's bringing those young guys along, you know, that – uh, you know, whatever, whatever he wants out of his team, maybe it's defensively guys getting on the floor. Maybe it's taking charges, make it, maybe it's making the extra pass. Can't say that I know, but I, I don't think that he's asking him to get 25 and 15. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I'm going to be happy to be your coach. I think he wants to see him lead those young guys. And sometimes it's not easy when you're a transfer, you know, it's a new right. situation for you. Uh, but again, he chose to play for Brad and I think he's got to figure it out if he wants. To and you got to know, and you got to know as a kid to some degree who you're playing for, right? You're doing your research. You got to know what you're getting yourself into. I mean, this is a guy who, again, you know, was a Juco guy years ago, came up through Bob Huggins. Like, come on. I mean, well, I was smart enough to understand that. Yeah. And you know this, I mean, you covered recruiting for so long, you know, you ask every kid, you know, what are the main factors in their recruitment? And then, they're a little bit smarter when they're coming out of college rather than coming out of high school. Right. They're going to say, I want a relationship with the head coach. I want an opportunity that when I look at the roster, you know, I'm going to see it. Is there a path to, to get to the next level? I mean, those are like three standard things that a kid will say. And so, but first and foremost, man, you, you want to know who that head coach is and you know, how he coaches and what type of style he employs. But to that point with the portal, the way it is right now, I mean, the second someone goes in, these kids are committing within 48 hours somewhere else because of the nature of the portal. Now, do kids have as much time to really do their homework? I I mean, I I think that there are a lot of ways to be able to figure out whether it's your high school coach or AAU coach that, you know, knows these guys, maybe it was they recruited you coming out of high school, uh, whether it's getting on your computer, you know, whatever the case is, but they certainly don't have, uh, you know, a year to play around with. They have about two or three weeks to try to figure out their next destination. But, you know, maybe that's why some kids should take a little bit longer and decide is transferring really the best option for them. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how this era of college basketball evens out over the course of the next five years, just because, you know, this is kind of a new thing that we're seeing with no transfer. You don't have to sit out rather. And it's kind of become the NBA free agency with no salary cap. So, Going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Gentlemen, last 10 minutes or so, it is, uh, we're right near Christmas around the corner. We're in the holidays. We're in Hanukkah right now. Uh, college coaches comparisons to famous holiday movies. 
Let's end this on a high note. We got a couple of very famous characters. So we're going to go around and just chat about which coach is most like, for example, Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. We can start there. We're going to go with Clark Griswold, Christmas Vacation, Kevin from Home Alone, Ralphie from A Christmas Story, and one of my personal favorites, Buddy the Elf from Elf. So let's start with uh, let's start with Scrooge. And um, our producer Trevor put in little descriptors for uh, what you should be characterizing your um, choices as. And for Scrooge, he wrote "grumpy old man." Hmm. I, grumpy I old man. I can't say he's an old man, but I can say he's grumpy, and that would be uh, Bobby Hurley after tonight. <laughs> he won't be, he, he will you know, be Scrooge. Like, yeah, no Scrooge question. doesn't like Christmas. He doesn't believe in Christmas. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't think Bob Hurley is going to believe in Christmas over the next three or four days until he plays that na- next game after Christmas. I like that. You know who was a good, a good one from uh, – he's not coaching right now. It's not you, Mac. Don't worry. I appreciate that. Uh, Mark Turgeon would be one. Oh! That, that, yeah, would, would have had some Scrooge in him. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else – I mean, Fran McCaffrey tonight for sure, yeah. right? For sure. But I'm looking for somebody like consistently, who's who, who's kind of a a, a, a Scrooge type. Uh, I went, I went Jim Beheim. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Thank yeah, you. I like that. I you like that. Did your homework? Did a little homework. Really good. You know? Very prepared. Yeah. I think you you look at even when I'm saying the Big Ten sucks. I mean, he he's Scrooge. Yeah. He yeah, was, yeah he talks that, like Scrooge. You might have hit it. <laughs> I, I think you, yeah, yeah, you, you nailed that one. I mean, no offense, I've got mad respect for Jim Beheim in the zone defense at Syracuse. I mean, I love me some zone defense. Let me tell you, but I mean, for this exercise and all intents and purposes, the man Scrooge. I mean, I think he would agree with you on that. You know, I think that he might. That was really good. Good job, Megan. Good job for his coaching career, but he he can still be Scrooge. There we go. Um, Clark Griswold, gentlemen, a fantastic, fantastic movie, Christmas Vacation. Uh, Systematic wants perfection was the descriptor on this one. What do you got? Go first, Megan. I'm I'm thinking. I went. I went Porter Moser. Just from the standpoint of how he runs his teams, the the desire to have that perfection, watching him coach the other night in the uh, Jumpman Classic. God, these different freaking tournament names. Um, I, I don't know. To me, he, he's got some Clark Griswold in him. Plus, I feel like he would have a great Christmas tree. I'm going to I'm go, gonna go uh, Tom Izzo. You know, I think if there's any coach that, that is systematic, uh, it's Izzo. I could also see him, you know, as you watch him on sideline on the uh, sideline every once in a while, he's just correcting a player or walking into the tunnel. You know, when he gets so frustrated, uh, a little bit of Griswold kicking the, uh, you know, reindeer on the uh, on the front lawn up in the air when the lights won't go on. I could see that a little bit out of Coach Izzo, but certainly systematic, wants it perfect. I think that's him to a T. Like a, a Steve Peichel, maybe. Oh, I could. That's that's right? a good one. Yeah, like Pike, Pike would be pretty good. Very systematic, and yeah. you know, kind of his his way, and doesn't you know wants to know exactly. I don't know. I'll go Pike there. All right, I like it. Next, we have Kevin from Home Alone. I wasn't going to do the Kevin scream. Um, <laughs> resourceful, forgotten about. Who's the Kevin of college basketball? I mean, this is easy. It's easy, but it's not. I'm just going to go like Mick Cronin. I, I just really? think like. That's a, forgotten about maybe? No, yeah, not the, the no, more of the look. I, I don't know. More of the look. He, I looks like a, he doesn't have hair. Kevin's blonde. I know. Like put some hair, put some blonde hair on Mick. I don't know. Maybe just, I could, I could picture Mick like. I don't know. All right. Give, give me another chance. You can have another chance. I went Tony Bennett. Just because I feel like we're, he's somebody, when we talk about college basketball, we talk about all the hot things. UVA doesn't always do the sexiest thing. So we're not always talking about him. He's kind of forgotten in that sense. Also, can't you see Tony Bennett chilling in a limo, eating some pizza? <laughs> no, I not that part. 
I was I was in on all the other stuff. I'm not sure if Ben. Right, I'm looking for like a knucklehead. A knucklehead. That should be the description. Wait, no, Kevin Smart. But Kevin he was kind of a knucklehead. Was he? He got rid of the robbers by himself. He was. Like I know, but he was like a a mischievous knucklehead who was smart. Yes, I'll give you that. But was it like he all mischievous and like? No, knucklehead. I you know. Was it a knucklehead? I thought no. he was smart. Wise beyond his years. You know, I I would say the look, you know, when when you said home alone, I'm thinking like a young looking guy. I'm I'm going Todd Golden of Florida. Has that that was my him. other choice. There you go. You know, mm -hmm. just he he's really young looking. He looks like he shouldn't be uh where he is. Uh certainly Kevin shouldn't have been home alone. My son watches that movie literally every day. All right, I got one. I got one. I got a better one. Nate Oates. That's another good Forgotten. one. Right, he's at Alabama, yeah. you know, in, in Saban's shadow. He's kind of got, you know, smart, obviously, taking that NBA kind of style and, and using it, and it helps him recruit at a high level. Nate Oates. All right. I like that. Okay, I like both those. I like all Better of them. Uh, Ralphie, which is mischievous, ill-behaved from yeah. a Christmas story. Yeah. See, I went Tom Izzo here. That's a good one. Because, I mean, Izzo, you can just kind of see up to no good, maybe, like, Henri. And plus, he was wearing a Grinch sweater tonight on the bench as Michigan State took on Oakland, which I thought was just, like, a fantastic touch. You got to have a little <laughs> fun doing this, right? It's not brain surgery. Tough look. Who do you got, Mac? I, I got I, I got nothing. I mean, nothing. to me, it would Dan Hurley's a good one there. Oh, okay. You know, like, you know, poorly behaved. Um, <laughs> he's gonna love it. He's gonna love it. I much better behave lately. How's glasses that? too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so like, it looks like Ralphie. You yeah. know, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Is he going oh, to like a telephone pole though? Oh, he yeah, he could do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. After a loss, no doubt. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, finally, Buddy the Elf, young, just you know. Happy, sprite, excited about life. I went with John Shire. This was super easy. This is super yeah. easy for me. Okay, who? I mean, honestly, the easiest one you could possibly give anybody. Max is going to like this one. Who's the most positive, other than Scott Drew, who's the most positive person in college basketball, Mac? He was in your league. Mike Bray? No, Josh Pastner. Oh, good one. Right? That's, yeah, that's a really good one. You ever seen Pastner? I mean, occasionally he'll be in a bad mood, but but it's rare. It's Very rare. rare. Very rare. I'd yeah. go with Pat Kelsey. Ultimate positivity. You know, yeah, always in a great mood. Highest energy, you know. Oh, um, the highest of high highest, energy. Highest of high energy. Yeah, it's almost like scary how yeah. much energy yeah. Kelsey yeah. has. Yeah. I'm going to see but, it in Charleston. But he's been that way. I mean, like, I remember the guy when he was a fifth grader, you know? Really? Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. You knew him in the fifth grade? Yeah. Yeah. What? Cincinnati, man. We're like a couple streets apart. What? Yeah. I didn't know you knew him that young. Yeah. He got mad at me when I, you know, he had his basketball hoop in the backyard, you know, glass backboard. And me and a couple of buddies went over there and I'm, I'm hanging on the rim and he comes storming out of his house. He's like, in the fourth grade, fifth grade, and he's like, get off my rim. And I <laughs> ran back in the house. And I'm like, all right. So are you guys the same age? No, I'm a little bit older. So you weren't scared of Kels? No, I'm not scared of Kels. You weren't he's scared. Too, too positive. He's got great energy, you know? That's a great energy. He, he, he did it. Did you see his deal on Twitter of the reenactment of Tom Browning's no hitter? First of all, Pat, Perfect for game. the last 20 years, has known every word on that final pitch. Really? Oh, yeah. He and his brother, like, I think they, they recorded it and then memorized it. And Pat, I mean, drop of the hat. You can be walking anywhere and say, all right, give me the last pitch to Tom Browning's no-hitter. He'll give it to you. It was amazing. It amazing. might not even be the last pitch. It might be the, the entire final Yeah, it was match. more than the last pitch. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was more. It was all of them, for sure. That's a and I mean, it's word trip. for word from right. Marty Brennan. Right. Sorry, Megan. Tangent. No, it's okay. Go on, go on gentlemen. Um, biggest game you're going to be looking for tomorrow, Jeff Goodman. 
what is the biggest game? I, I need to buy buy me a little time. I'm looking at the the uh, the deal today. I was out today. I mean, listen, I didn't just go to the BC Virginia Tech game. I went to the first half of the BU UMass Lowell game today. Yes, I did. So I haven't looked yet. I'm looking as we speak. Uh, Towson Bryant's a good game for a mid-major game. Illinois, Missouri for me. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Well, I just think what we talked about with Coach Underwood would be interesting to see how uh, we respond before Christmas break. Yeah. Games. I mean, I want to see if Creighton can can end their, their six-game losing streak Man. against Butler at home. They're probably going to get Ryan Kalkbrenner back from everything that, that I've been told. So I think they're going to be in good shape there. They they got to stop the bleeding right now. Have to. Especially I mean, you know, going into Christmas. Those Yeah, those first couple games they lost, you're like, man, they're losing the great teams. And they still lost to really good teams all the way through. But, right. you know, it's like what we talked about at the beginning with Michigan. You know, you can't lose them all. You right. got to steal one and two. Right. So it'll be a tough one. What, what, do, what do you guys got going on for, for Christmas? Megan? I'm trying to get to Charlotte, North Carolina, but in case you guys haven't uh, watched the news at all, we got a massive blizzard coming in. <laughs> My flight's already been canceled. I'm on another one tomorrow night. That's going to get canceled probably. If anyone knows a private jet that's not afraid to fly in blizzard conditions, let me know. Why Charlotte? Uh, fiance's family. Ah, nice. Very, yes. very nice. Yes. First Christmas away from home. Oh, no. All that big so adult stuff that happens when you get married. Mom and dad aren't happy about this, are they? Yeah, they're they're fine about it. They're okay with it. They're okay, the time. but they're you know, going to be missing you. Yes. I mean, obviously, I'm a great addition to a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I dread this day. Hopefully, it's 10, 10 years down the line with, with my daughter, but I dread that that day. We'll be uh, we'll be driving down to Charleston early in the morning tomorrow. Um, that drive? We're not going in one day. We're we're going probably eight hours tomorrow from Boston. We'll get through like DC, and then Friday night we have tickets for the Carolina Hurricanes game. Oh, it's My our daughter's a huge Canes fan. Mm -hmm. So we, hopefully we're going to make it. I mean, I don't know how bad the weather is going to be, but I'm sure it's not going to be great to drive through. Probably should have left today if if I was smart but I'm not. So, um, Mac, where are you going? I'm just going to hang right here in, in the Ville for a couple of days uh, with the wife's side of the family. And then after Braden opens his Christmas presents from Santa on Sunday morning, we're going to head back to Cincinnati. And uh, mom, brother, sister, their families probably stay there for three or four days. Pretty low key. Yeah, you can't get down to Florida for the I good mean, weather? It's, it's 90 minutes. I was in Florida last weekend, so, you know, we believe in letting Braden open his Christmas presents from Santa right here at the house, and then we'll tentacle off from there. At what point will Braden figure out that, that Santa is not real? <laughs> well, Careful, Goodman. Hopefully not. Oh, no, Santa's real. I'm sorry. Santa is real, Megan. I don't want to spoil it for you. Please. What about the Easter Bunny? Um, I don't know. You know, my, my daughters weren't until like the sixth, seventh grade. They were older. And, really? Uh, That's awesome. I love that. So usually, you know, the, the younger ones figure it out a little bit earlier. They're a little bit, little bit street wise. You know, they've got older, he's got older sisters. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we're uh, keeping our fingers crossed. He'll be, he'll be fine this Christmas for sure. Oh, With all the damn Amazon packages that keep coming to the doorstep. I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure we'll figure it out. I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure it's, it's gotta be insane. Right, Christy? Yes. Every day? How many? Every day. I mean, Five we're a day? On, we're like on a, um a Cal Ripken streak right now. You know, it's like somebody's showing up and dropping a package off at some point every day. Yeah, I've been on those streaks. And, and trust goodness. me, I wasn't the one ordering. <laughs> Just about to clarify. Just about to supply clarify. chain That's issues. Right. We have no problems in our house. Every supply <laughs> chain's coming right here. We know why any of our Amazon deliveries are delayed because they're coming to your house. That's exactly That's right. right. Feels we'll like. blame you. We'll have Bezos send you a bill. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, happy holidays and have safe travels. Enjoy it. And we'll have lots of hoops to talk about after the holidays in the new year. So looking forward to it. As always, if you need a last minute Christmas gift, go to field of 68.shop uh, for merch. That's good right. stuff. Always a good gift. Chris Mack. We need a Chris Mack jersey at some point. <laughs> Look at his shirt. His shirt's pretty cool too. The Hick from French Lick. 
Oh, I like that. Where can I get that? Uh, what it, where it from? Um, homage. You heard that? H O M A G E homage.com. Yeah, I like that shirt. That's a free plug right there. Maybe I'll get a little NIL deal on that. Great shirt. It's another package to show up at your door. That's right. That's right. But finally, he'll have ordered one. There we go. There we have it. All right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Be safe. Get to Charlotte. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.